We're in the last week of a series that we call Friending, um, and we've been talking about relationships, talking about uh, those, those friends that God has brought into our lives. And as we get going this morning, can you do me a favor, grab a piece of paper or get out your phone if you can take notes there, or maybe you have a tablet you can take a notes on, and do me a favor, and as you think about your inner circle of friends, that, that you're, these are your, uh, the people that you're walking through life with, these are your core friendships, would you write down the names of those, of those friends for me? Just put them on a piece of paper. Uh, we're we're going to go back to it a little bit later in, in my talk this morning. Uh, I just want you to just be, be thinking about who, who these people are. So if you, if you do that, um, it, it will help you uh, later, uh, a, little bit, a little bit later in the service. So as you're writing those names down, uh, let me just remind us of where we've been in this series. We've talked about the discovery of friendship and how that happens. And, and C.S. Lewis, uh, I, I think, puts some good handles on it. He talks about the foundation of friendship is this affinity where you're, maybe you're, you're having a meal with somebody or you're having coffee and, and they share with you this holy discontent, this passion that they have, this thing that keeps them up late at night. And as they do, something sparks in you and your response is, I thought I was the only one who felt this way. I thought I was the only one. And you too. And, and, and what happens is a, a friendship uh, is, is birthed. And, and then uh, off that foundation, the friendship begins to be forged. And as we have looked at what biblical uh, friendship looks like, we, uh, we've talked about these five building blocks, these five waypoints. First one being emotional health. Uh, Peter Scazzaro, in his book called The Emotional, uh, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, uh, posits this thesis in which he says, you cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And, uh, and so we've talked about even in our relationships, that, that we need to bring uh, emotional, our own emotional health, emotional healing to the table when it comes to the Feast of Friendship. In fact, if, if you're interested in that book, Pursuits, we, we ordered some, we got them out there. If you're interested in picking that book up and reading it, I think it'd be, it's a great discipleship tool uh, and, and, a, and a good read. So emotional health is the first waypoint. Second waypoint is candor or speaking the truth in love. Uh, about th- this idea that, that a true friend um, doesn't hide their love, but uh, it, when, it, when it's needed, is, uh, just speaks to the, the issues in a friend that, that, uh, that, that are deficiencies, bless you, uh, deficiencies uh, in, in that friendship. The, the third one, so we go emotional health, we go candor. What we talked about last week is trustworthiness with each other's reputations. We talked about the danger of slander and gossip and how that can a whisper separates friends. Uh, and then we also talked about presence, about being fully available, fully present in our relationships. And we talked about the unique challenges of multitasking in this day and age. And then finally, wisdom. Timely advice is like golden apples in a silver basket, is what Solomon said. And there's nothing like having a friend uh, who, who is wise. And so what I want to do today, is we, as we've talked about discovery of friendship and what a biblical friend looks like, I want to talk to you about the, the topic of unfriending. Uh, but, but, but making this decision of maybe there's a friendship I need to let go of. Um, Jim Rohn, author, and uh, he was a motivational speaker. He's, pa- he's passed away. Rohn said this. Uh, he said, you are the average of your five closest friends. 
Um, and actually, sociologists will confirm this, that in, in multiple areas of your life, you are, you are the average of your five closest friends, meaning even physically, you are the average of your five closest friends. Uh, financially, you're the average of your five closest friends. Uh, morally and spiritually, you are the uh, average of your five closest friends, which, which then begs the question is, who am I running with? In life, who, who am I running? Who are my friends that I'm running with in life? Because they're going to influence me. Uh, Annie Dudley is a staff member here at Salem Alliance. She has a son named Tyler. Tyler's a, a pretty uh, accomplished runner. A couple years ago, he ran in the Troutdale Half Marathon, and he won it easily. Uh, I, I think by minutes, he, he, he beat everybody else. So the next year, he went to run it again. And again, in, the, in this half marathon, 13.1 miles, he's at the front of the pack, and he's leading by well over a minute. Um, and uh, I, I have not had this in my personal experience, but I guess when you're at the front of a race, uh, in, a, in a long race like that, there's a motorcycle or a bicycle that's leading the way, and uh, you just follow the bike, and it will lead you to the finish line. So Tyler is running, he's following the bike, and he, he has this idea that, you know, this is, this is a long half marathon. Uh, and then it dawns on him that he has run 17 miles. And the reason he's run 17 miles is because the guy riding the bike who's directing him is lost. Uh, he actually pulls over and like, apologizes, um, and you know, his name is Chris. Hi, Chris. I'm Tyler. And, and Tyler has to backtrack and makes his way back. It still finishes in pretty good time. Uh, but who he was running with, so to speak, didn't get him to the destination that he was hoping to. And I just sort of throw that picture out for us that when it comes to our relationships, when it specifically comes to our friendships, we have to ask the question, who am I running with? Because we're the average of our five closest friends. Your friends impact you. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Paul is writing to a young church in Corinth, and Paul says this, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Now, what is Paul saying? Uh, as author and, uh, and, and pastor Bill Hybels puts it, uh, what, what Paul is saying is stupid rubs off. <laughs> All right? Stupid rubs up. Bad company corrupts good character. But the first three, four words on there on, on, the, on the front, do not be misled, are really important because that we have this idea, well, that's true for other people, but not true for me. Other people be misled. That, that's not going to happen to me. But Hybels is saying, no, stupid rubs off. And, and he goes on to say, he, uh, he tells a story about a, a good friend of his when he was a young kid, moved from uh, where he was living up in the Illinois area, Chicago area, and moved down uh, to, to the south. And he would go down often and visit him and take his baseball mitt because they would play baseball. And uh, the, the dad of the, uh, the other kid uh, would say, watch out who you hang out with after the, the game, boys, because stupid rubs off. And then Hybels goes on to say, Stupid rubs off in our grown-up world, too. And perhaps you work in an environment where profanity flows like a polluted river all day, every day. Can profanity rub off? Maybe you work in the financial industry where the whole game is making money, no matter what it takes to get it. Can greed rub off? At parties where the main event is alcohol consumption, can over-drinking rub off? And I think that all of us could answer that question and say, yes, it does. But the problem is, we just don't think it'll happen to us. 
So when we consider our, our inner core, our inner circle friends, we need to understand what Paul is saying is don't be misled. This can happen to you. Solomon, writing uh, in Proverbs chapter 12, says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. That, that word cautious means to, it, it's to be careful, but specifically it means to spy out or investigate. You remember the story of the, of the spies who go into the promised land and they're spying out the land? Um, that, that's the same word here. And so what, what, what Solomon is saying is a wise person carefully investigates who their friends, cautiously chooses their friends. Because if they choose someone to be a friend who's wicked, it will lead them astray. And again, we're talking about our inner core friendships. And as we talk about unfriending, there is this tension that rises up within us because this feels unchristian. To unfriend feels unchristian. Because if you've read the Gospels, you, you read that you know, Jesus, who we're supposed to be like, we're supposed to be formed into the image of Christ, we read that Jesus was called a friend of sinners. So which is it? Am I supposed to guard these inner core relationships and so I'm not misled because bad company uh, corrupts good character, stupid rubs off? Or am I supposed to be the, the friend of sinners like Jesus was? And my answer to that is it's both. And here's how it's both. Out of our, our core friendships, and I believe that, the, that our inner core friendships should be, should be Christian. These are our influencers in our life. Uh, that these are people who are going the same direction we are, out of deep-rooted friendship and plunging our roots into Christ, that empowers us by his spirit to go wide, to be a friend of sinners. So this is not about talking about being cold-hearted to those who, uh, who, who don't know Christ. No, in fact, it's actually out of these deep friendships that we get to express Christ to our world and go to the ends of the earth. So we feel this tension, but it's not about building walls and keeping bad people out and keeping the good people in from our perspective. It's about knowing who we're running with and making sure we're all going in the same direction. So that's the tension that perhaps you might feel even as, as, as I go through the rest of this talk. Now, what I want to do is I'm just going to tell you right up front, here's the big idea of my whole talk this morning is simply this. You can't live the right life with the wrong friends. You can't live the right life with the wrong friends. Again, we're talking about our inner circle friends. And what I want to do is I just want to, I want to walk you through three things that I won't let my friends do. And then what I want to do is walk through just, just quickly, what, what does unfriending look like? When would I need to do that? And how would that happen? So I'm just going to dive in real quick here and just tell you, here's what I don't let my friends do. First one I put up here is I won't allow a friend to lower my wisdom quotient. I will not allow a friend to lower my wisdom quotient. Here's what I mean by this. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs, this is really important to understand this. We, we, in, in church, oftentimes we, we get focused on the next life so much. And, and much, of it, much of what scriptures is pointing us to is, is living the Christ life, and so we'll be ready to meet him face to face, and that's a very good thing. The book of Proverbs is how to live a successful life here and now, but how to live a wise life here and now, um, and how to walk with God in the here and now. So uh, in the book of Proverbs, you get the great pictures of what a wise person looks like. You also get very high definition pictures of what a fool looks like. You get these contrasts. And what Solomon, a wisdom writer, was telling us is avoid the fool. 
Now, I'm just going to put a scripture up here from chapter 13. Solomon says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. There you got, you got it again. Don't be misled. And, and this next proverb, chapter 14, verse 7, says, stay away from a foolish man, for you will not find knowledge on his lips. So walk with the wise and you'll be wise. A companion of fools suffers harm, and stay away from the fool. So it's important that we, we understand, how, what does a fool look like? What does foolish living look like? So what I want to do is I'm just going to read some Proverbs for you and just give some descriptive words of what a fool is. I'm not going to have all the verses on the screen, but at the end, I want to just put up the descriptive phrases up on the screen so you can you get a chance to, to see them. But listen to how the scriptures define a fool. First of all, the fool is unrighteous. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 19 it is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools re refuse to turn from evil to attain them. And the fool is unwise. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Chapter 18, verse 2. The fool is unrealistic. Proverbs 17, 24. Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. They're always hoping that their ship is going to come in, so to speak. A fool is undisciplined. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30. There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up, meaning the fool is undisciplined with their money and their resources. The fool is also undisciplined with his temper. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Proverbs 12, verse 16. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Proverbs 29, verse 11. A, pro, uh, uh, a fool is undisciplined with their mouth. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Uh, and then a fool is unreliable at, uh, unreliable, unreliable at work. Proverbs 26, 10. An employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots and wounds everyone. Uh, the fool is also un unreliable in his words. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. A couple more. The fool is unteachable. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise, and they will love you. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. And lastly, a fool is unpleasant and unkind. Fool's words get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. Proverbs 18, verse 6. And then Proverbs 22, 10. Throw out the mocker, and fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear. Now I'm just going to put all those descriptors on the screen behind me. Fool is unrighteous, unwise, unrealistic, undisciplined, unreliable, unteachable, unpleasant, and unkind. And really when you boil it all down, what you get in a fool is a decision to distrust God and to put full trust in their own heart and understanding. That, that is the fool. So when I say I won't allow my friends to lower my wisdom quotient, what I'm talking about is I, the, the people I'm running with, I, I, I don't want... The people I'm running, I don't want them to be unreliable, unteachable, unrighteous, unwise. 
you, you see the list. I, I want to choose my inner core friends very carefully. I won't let my friends lower my, my wisdom quotient. Second thing I won't let my friends do uh, is this. Uh, I, I will not let my friends entice me to undermine another person's reputation. Um, this, this is just a really, really crucial. We talked a little bit about this last week, about the idea of being trustworthy with each other's reputations and the danger of a whisper, the danger of gossip and slander. Uh, here's a proverb, chapter 20, verse 19. A gossip betrays confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. In fact, you, you, radar, your, your alarm should go off when you, you get, this person's always talking. They're talking too much. Um, Abraham Zapruder, um, he had a home a movie thing. He was taken out to this corner of this, 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 this uh, street in Dallas, November 22nd, 1963. He thought he was just shooting some home movies, and what he captured was the assassination of JFK. Um, and, and I would say most of us have, have seen that, that footage as it's been investigated over the years. Um, some of you have, can picture in your mind the picture of when Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Was, was assassinated in Memphis. Or you, you watch the news when uh, President Reagan, the, the attempted assassination of Reagan. Assassination can be equated with slander or gossip. Because what you're doing is you're assassinating another person's character. Reckless words pierce like a sword, Solomon said. And so what happens is, is I don't want, in my inner circle, I don't want my, my friends to entice me to get into the business of destroying other people's reputation and undermining uh, their, their, their character in any way. I just want, I don't want any part of that. And I think we should be very careful. We, uh, alarms should go off in us when, when people are talking about other people to us because what we should be asking is what are they saying about us when we're not there? So I, I, I won't let my friends do that. And the, the last thing I won't let my friends do is I won't let a friend keep me from imitating Christ. I, now, this, this one is, 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 okay, yeah, we're, we're on this journey. Discipleship has a destination. The destination of discipleship is to become like Christ. And our inner core friends, remember, you're the average of your five, five closest friends. So who are you running with? Because they're going to influence you in, in your spiritual journey. Uh, here's a verse from Proverbs again. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. And then Paul writing to one of his spiritual sons named Titus. Titus chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Paul says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because they are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. I mean, kind of talking about coming to the point, right? It's kind of, kind of blunt and direct. And so what Paul is saying is, is that be very cautious about a divisive person. Some of the, the controversy always follows them. They just, it, drama goes with them. And then uh, don't, have, don't be a friend with a hot-tempered person. I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus, who's described as one, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. He's, he's marked by gentleness. Instead of strife, instead of controversy, what you get in Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that's who we're becoming in Christ by the power of his spirit. That's the destination in discipleship is becoming like him. And so I won't let my friends keep me from imitating who Christ is. 
So th those are the three things that I won't let my friends do. And what I want you to do now is take out that piece of paper or you got your phone or your, your, your tablet there. And I want you to look at those names because I'm going to put some questions on the screen here. And this is intensely practical. Because I want you, to, in light of the names that you've written down, I want you to answer these questions. The first one is this. Are any of my friends foolish? As you've heard me describe it from the book of Proverbs this morning, are any of my, are, does, the, does the book of Proverbs, def, does it describe my friend as a fool in any way? The second one is, are any of my friends a gossip? Do we have any character assassination going on in my inner circle of friends? Third question, as you look at that list of friends, are any of my friends hot-tempered? Do they have a short fuse? Do you find yourself tiptoeing on, uh, on eggshells around them? Last question, are any of my friends divisive? Do, do, I, have, do I have any friend who's dividing uh, relationships or just tossing out controversy that maybe these, these disputable matters, these foolish arguments. Now, I, I want you to leave those questions up here. You're looking at that list and you're answering this question about your friends. And also, I want you to look at this because we want to be the friends our, our friends long for. So we're asking these questions about ourselves as well. And if you say yes to any one of these questions as you look at your friends... Here's what I'm not saying you do. I'm not saying you send them a text from church today and say, I unfriend you, okay? Because that, that's not how it works. Uh, we don't send them an email. We don't write them a letter right now and say, you're not my friend anymore. Um, but you're, you're making this observation. And by the way, I'm going I'm to show you a 30-second video of a commercial that kind of gets to how it doesn't work. It's a car insurance commercial. I, I think it'll set us up here a little bit uh, and enjoy it. This is Beatrice from eSurance. Instead of mailing everyone my vacation photos, I'm saving a ton of time by posting them to my wall. Ooh, I like that one. It's so quick. It's just like my car insurance. I save 15% in just 15 minutes. I save more than that in half the time. I unfriend you. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. 15 minutes for a quote. I unfriend you. Uh, here's what happens is we, we read through a list like that, and we, maybe we have someone in our inner circle of friends who's hot-tempered. The, the answer is not to send them a text and say, I unfriend you. That's not how it works, Right? How it works, if you remember, as we in our, in, our, in our second week, we talked about candor, speaking the truth in love. We, we looked at this verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. If you have an inner circle friend, what you do is because we all have blind spots, Right? We all have areas of our life that we think we're doing well in, but we're not doing so well, which is why we need great friends who love us but aren't impressed by us. And what they do is they say, you, you know, Steve, I don't know if you realize this or not, but, man, you, man, you, you, your fuse is short. And I, I just, I'm really concerned because I, I, I think that that's not a healthy thing for you. And that's not good for our friendship. And so what you do is you don't hide your love if, if you rationalize that conversation, say, I won't have that conversation because I don't want to hurt that person because they mean too much to me. If you remember, what we said is that, no, you don't love them too much. You love yourself too much. 
You love yourself too much to have that conversation. So if you truly love your friends, in grace and in truth, you will go to them and say, this is something I see. I think you need to watch out. And what you should do is listen very carefully because the wisdom writer has taught us that when you correct a wise person, they will love you. But correct the fool and they will vent their anger. So we owe it to our friends to go to them. So the unfriending process is probably a very lengthy process where you go to a friend, you say, I see this problem, and you have that conversation. And maybe it, it rears up again, and you have another conversation and saying, you know, you're, you're gossiping, and that's not good, and we taught each other to put our hands up or say, are you building up or tearing down? And, and we keep having these conversations, and somewhere along the way, after multiple times, and I think we owe that to our friends. I mean, multiple times you do this, but as you follow the Spirit's lead, you may come to the point where you have to make a decision that I can't walk through life. I, I can no longer run with this person because I'm the average of my five closest friends and I can't live the right life with the wrong friends. And so I need to change my friendships. It's a difficult thing to do, but oftentimes a necessary thing to do. And the reason we're even having this conversation about friendship is because friendship is being redefined. There's this idea that I have to let everyone in my inner core friendships. And it's simply not the case. Guard your friendships. Be cautious in the selection of your friendships. And be the, the biblical friend that your friends long for. And as we do, relationships gel and unity is formed and there's a certain satisfaction that comes in walking in life with those who are a true friend. I want to invite you to stand up. I'm going to close our service uh, this morning by reading a, a, a benediction, a blessing over you from the Psalms. Uh, after I read the, this blessing and give this blessing, there will be people up front who love to pray with you about anything that's happening in your life. But would you see these words from Psalm chapter 1 as our, our closing to the service and our closing to the series? Psalm 1, in the NIV it says, blessed is the man, but it can, it can interpret this, say, blessed is the person. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so I bless you that you would be that tree planted by streams of water, that your roots would go deep and that you would bear fruit and your leaf would not wither. And I also bless you that you would not be a solo tree, that you'd find yourself in a grove of trees being strengthened by healthy relationships. Grace and peace to you.